If you're holding on to something saying, no, I must not let go of this in case someone takes it away from me, then you've already got the point of view that life and living and business is limited. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. The guest that I have today has actually been a key coordinator within an organization called Access Consciousness. This has been across 176 countries where they bring people together to really tap into these altered state of minds to really be able to do life at their full potential. Now, more specifically, she's been the founder and creator of Joy of Business, which is also the name of her first book. She's been mentoring entrepreneurs across the world around wealth and happiness. And today we're going to touch on a few different topics that are really relevant today. We're talking about getting out of debt joyfully. Let's see how that can be done. And also we're going to talk about a bit of relationship and we're going to talk a bit about business. So Simone Milasas is coming here, sharing all of her industry knowledge, bringing us all of these amazing ideas. Simone, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Jason. Now, you've been a creative business coach. You spoke around the world. You're an author of these three amazing books. Can you tell us a bit about your journey? Because I know you've done a lot of work with Access Consciousness as well, which is a big organization that not everybody on this podcast might be familiar with. Would you give us a bit more background there? Yeah, I've actually worked with Access Consciousness for the last 20 years. I was a worldwide coordinator of Access for about 18 years. So all the books that I've written actually come from me facilitating Access Consciousness classes. So and Access is basically like a set of tools and processes to change any area of your life that you think is not working for you. Because most people think they have a problem with something. They think they have a money problem, relationship problem you know, with your bodies or, you know, business, etc. But in truth, it's like, what if you could actually tap into more so of what you're aware of and what you can change and what action you need to take? I find that so many people actually know far more than what they're willing to acknowledge about certain topics. You know, you don't have to have a degree to know about business. You don't have to have a degree to know about money, etc. And you definitely don't have to have a degree to know about relationships. You just have to dive in there. <laughs> Well, this was going to bring me up to a question around joy. I mean, joy is in the title of your first book. It seems to be, and your second book has joyfully as well. What does the role of our state of mind being a state of joy, what role does that play in giving us more success when it comes to business or to help us when we're dealing with any problem in life? Look, for me, it's like if you choose joy, then so much can show up from that. I mean, so many people have this point of view of like, well, when I have money in the bank account or when I get the right relationship or when, you know, if, if, if all these places, then I will be joyful. It doesn't work like that. It's like if you wake up and choose happy and choose joy, then all of these different things show up. And the name of the book, Joy Business, actually came about because Gary Douglas, the founder of Access, I was having a conversation with him about something and someone was choosing something in business and it made no sense to me. And I said, I don't get it. Why are they choosing this? This is business and that's not joyful and business is joyful. And he looked at me and he went, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, business is fun. It's joyful. That's why you do it because it's fun. And he went, oh, Simone, he said, you are so different. He said, do you get that most people in this reality don't do business for the joy of it? So I was literally like one of those, you know, dogs watching television going, 
why would people do it? Because my point of view is if you don't enjoy doing what you're doing, why are you doing it? There's so many other things out there that you could create and that you could be involved in. And so therefore I started doing a few seminars and ended up creating the book Joy of Business. And it's translated into 14 languages. And Jason, every single language, the translator contacts me and says, um, this doesn't make sense in our language, those three words together, joy of business. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense in English either. So let's go with that. And well, what are we going to do here? So I get that it's a really different concept. And it's almost like what I've noticed over the years, Jason, is that people don't give themselves permission to actually love what they do. And I find that if you love what you do, it's like the money starts showing up. I love that concept. And I do want to bring a challenge to it because I think an assumption to be made is if you're thinking about joy of business, are we talking about the only things you should be doing are the fun things in business? Because there seems to be a lot of tasks within the business that actually need to be done that might not be as joyful. Like for me, I would think about the typical administrative work. And so how do you balance bringing joy into what you're doing and making the tasks that you don't enjoy doing? Thank you for the question. It's a great question. And it's one of the most fun things that I actually talk about in my seminars too, because so many people do this thing of resisting business because they've decided I don't like it. And they might not like, for example, the admin. So they won't create a business because they decide they don't like the admin, they don't like the accounting, or they don't like sales or something. So they will refuse the entirety of their generative idea based on something that they don't like. Here's the thing, you've got to be willing to be out of control and you've got to be willing to actually ask for contribution. So one of the tools that changed my whole entire life that I got from Gary Douglas was he said at the seminar I went to, how many of you think that nobody can do the business as good as you? And that's exactly what I was creating in my business. And I realized that all the staff I was hiring, no one could do the job as well as me because that was my point of view. So one thing, I started changing my point of view and that's really important to have a look at the points of view that you create that have this limitation to it. And I started creating my point of view and I asked for people to show up who were better than me and not based on judgment, just they had more fun with sales. They had more fun with accounting, etc. So just because all of these aspects are involved in a business, it doesn't mean you have to do them all. You have to be willing to surround yourself by capable people, listen, let them choose and let them have their awareness and that's where, to me, that is the adventure of how you can be with business. I love that. So if I'm working on a business, obviously there's these areas where I might not be as familiar and maybe at the beginning stages, I'm still going to roll up my sleeve, do it a little bit, but there's a lot of people that are available to support, to help, to take on these things that will do better than me. And I'm trying to apply this actually, if I'm not a business owner, but rather I'm a team leader or I'm a member of a team. And there's certain functions that I might not be able to do as well as other people that I brought on my team. It seems like if I'm in the middle of an organization, there might be some sense of threat where, oh, I've brought someone that can do this really well, but if I don't do it really well, maybe my position is in jeopardy. Have you encountered things like that? And it obviously doesn't seem to come from a place of joy, but how would you reframe someone who has that scarcity mindset around thinking that if I'm getting people on my team that are better than me, it might make me replaceable? Yeah, I'm glad you actually mentioned the scarcity thing because that is one of the things I see that so many people use to limit what can show up. Now, here's I'm going to throw something in there. What if you became useless? And that is what I look for with my business and with everything all the time. And there was this moment where Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness, would be always talking to Dane here, who's the co-creator, and myself, and about the business and different choices that we were making 
And we would ask him lots of questions. And this is for years, like educating us. And then one day we just started making these choices, like I would say executive choices. And he went, huh, I've become useless. And of course we went, no, 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 you haven't. But what we looked at was the second he had the point of view that he became useless, he stepped up and created something different and created something more. So if you have that point of view that someone comes along and is greater than you at a certain aspect, what if instead you received that and then asked what else you were greater at? Now, again, I mentioned before, this is the place where you do have to be willing to be out of control and not, you know, hold on to everything. Because if you hold on to everything, you cannot create something greater. In Star Wars, at one stage, there was this character and she's holding on to this universe and someone says, if you don't let go of this universe, then you won't be able to have other universes that are available. And it's exactly the same thing. If you're holding on to something saying, no, I must not let go of this in case someone takes it away from me, then you've already got the point of view that life and living and business is limited. It's not. There's so much more out there. Wow. So this is what I like about when you step into that energy of joy, as you say, is you actually are more open to these possibilities as opposed to constrained and in the scarce mode where anything that is lost feels like a loss of control, which kind of brings me to your second piece of literature that's also very relevant and interesting. So we've talked a bit about the business side. I want to talk about how it comes to the idea of debt, because, you know, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And a lot of people might be finding themselves in different situations when it comes to their work. Hopefully, they're looking at the future opportunities that could be coming based on the concepts we just discussed, given that change can bring loss of control, can bring new opportunities. But sometimes debt can be really heavy. It can burden. It can make you not be able to keep your head up. And here you wrote a book about getting out of debt joyfully. So I'd love for you to walk us through that concept and how do we put a, a sense of joy around the concept of debt? Yeah, I wanted to add that word joyfully to it because it is quite ironic. Most people think getting out of debt is not joyful. And, you know, for a long time, I was creating a little bit of a financial mess and you never would have been able to tell, like I wasn't doing this trauma and drama or, you know, not choosing things. I was still living my life, but I was creating a lot of debt. And then one day I realized, you know what, no one is going to come in and change this for me. I actually have to have a look at it. And... In that book and using the Access Consciousness tools, I started to change the way I was looking at my finances. And I used some really pragmatic tools for that. And I started to get out of debt and probably took me, I was 187,000 Australian dollars in debt is what I actually worked out. And I changed that rather quickly. And I'm going to say as soon as I actually changed my mindset of it, within two, three weeks, so many different things started showing up. But here's the piece that doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, if we could work everything out with our logical mind, we'd have everything we ever desired. And it's the insane points of view that I see over the years of working with so many people that lock us up. You know, we create some insane point of view and that's what we stick to. And one of the things I realized was once I actually got out of debt, I was sitting in my office and I'm looking at my computer and looking at my bank accounts and, you know, everything. And I realized I had money in the bank. I paid all my bills and I wasn't in debt. And I literally sat in my office and looked around and I was like, that's it? And I was like, there's no, there's no marching band. There's no fireworks. There's no someone bringing in champagne and saying, wow, well done, Simone. And I was like, oh, it didn't, it didn't have that sense of excitement that I thought it would. So two weeks later, I was smart enough that I realized I had started creating myself to be back in debt. 
So what I did was I sat there and went, oh, what do I love about creating debt? And I know this might sound like an insane question, but so many people have this place of they love being in debt. And what I realized was I knew it. I knew it really well. I was familiar with it. I knew that each week I had to use no money as the source of creation. And I see so many people use no money as a source of creation. How am I going to pay my rent? You know, how am I going to do X, Y, Z? And it's like, so then you start to get creative rather than what if you had a million dollars in the bank account? What would you create today? A lot of people use no money as that source of creation. And I also realized I was the same as so many people I knew. I mean, how many times do you, you know, go to a dinner party or you hang out with friends and someone's complaining about money, etc. And the next person starts complaining about money and they, it's sort of like this competition of how bad can we get? The next time, what I'm going to recommend, no matter what your money situation is, it's like, what if you went, you know what? I'm doing great. And it's like, I've got $10 in the bank account or I've got 10,000 or whatever it is and change that perspective. Because so many people have a familiar sense when they're in debt or when, the other thing is too, they're just getting by. Like the amount of sessions I've done with people or come to my classes that they make enough just to pay the bills. I'm sorry, if you are that potent that you can create debt or you can create just enough to get by, then what if you actually ask to step into something even greater and each day ask a question What if my money flows, my business and my whole life were greater today than it was yesterday? And start choosing based on that, like take some action and then see what shows up. I find that very interesting because it makes me think of this concept of temperature. I believe I heard this from Jordan Belford, who was the Wolf of Wall Street, and I ended up in one of his seminars. He was talking about everybody has a certain temperature, which is a certain amount of money before they get comfortable. What you're saying here is there's a lot of people that have been used to the fires of debt as the kind of scarcity push to get you motivated to really do things because you have no choice. It's almost like a a negative energy to motivate you to do great things. Are you saying that we should be shifting that or are you recognizing the positivity of using that as a motivator? I'm saying that that is the place where so many people control their money flows. And if you could change that, then you'll have money show up in the most random of ways. I'm recommending that you get out of that mind shift of using no money as a source of creation. And even ask yourself that question. If I had $100,000 or a million dollars, whatever it is for you, that shows up in your bank account, you know, at the beginning of each year or the beginning of each month, what would you choose and what would you create? Because then it's a different, because so many people go, oh, well, I have to do this job because I need the money. Okay, so if you had money in the bank account, then what would be your choices? And start to look at that and ask, all right, what would I have to change? What would I have to choose? And what action would I have to take to create that as my life? Because Jason, my point of view is this is your life. Like, are you living it the way you'd like to? Or are you going to be 80 or 90 and go, damn, I wish I'd looked at that before? You know, let's do it now. Let's do it today. And let's create something different today. It definitely seems like it's a habit. If you're just getting by every single month and still surviving, like how is it that your math always ends up just getting by? There's definitely a habit or a sort of mental comfort that you get into by always getting by. And it seems like staying in debt. it's brilliant. It's like just measuring something, you know? I mean, I used to study martial arts for quite a while and I did a martial arts that we did contact, but it wasn't full contact. So the skill where you had to hit someone but not have full contact but pull back just at that right moment, it was such a skill set to do that. And that's exactly what I think people do with money, this skill set. 
you know, so they just have just enough. And it's like, all right, what if you could change that? And what if you actually ask for more money to show up? And there's some really, really pragmatic tools in the Getting Out of Debt Joyfully book. You don't have to be in debt. It's like you can also, I see a complacency where people actually have money, but they also don't want to have too much money. Like, do you know how many people I've spoken to that are not willing to be the one person in their family that earns the most money? you know, earns 20, 10, 50, twice as much money as anyone else in their family. It's sort of like, I must stay the same. Why are you going to stay the same? What if you could actually ask for something different and choose something different? It almost seems like the creativity and the energy you use to stay in debt or to just break even is the same amount of energy that you ask the most powerful questions that you've been suggesting from the start, which is start asking, what would you do if you had all that money and you start stepping from a place more of creation than just getting by? Is this one of the powerful tools? So if I am currently in debt, this would be one of the first steps is just step into asking the questions. Like if I didn't have any of this debt, what would be the creations that I make? Because the ideas that come from asking those questions are usually what generate more revenue. Is this it? Yeah. Look, I would ask that question too, of what do I love about creating debt? And you know, the one thing that everyone says is I don't love creating it. Well, if you're creating it, there's something you like about it. Like that's my point of view about with everything. It's like, I mean, same with relationships. I see people say, I really want to be in a relationship. If you don't have one, you don't actually desire one. Like you create your life as it is today. It's sort of like you can dig deeper and have a look at what it is that is actually working for you about this. And one of the questions I would ask too is, if I was creating my financial reality, what would I choose? Because so many people try and duplicate what they grow up with. And for myself, it's like, you know, my father was a great businessman. He's passed over for a few years now. And I love talking to him about business and different things that he did. My mother's point of view was you are not allowed to talk about money, especially at the dinner table, etc. You know, you had to talk about these really mundane things that I was like, really, this is what we're doing. But her point of view is you don't talk about it. So then I could have that point of view if you don't talk about it, but I don't. It's like, it's just money. So if you were creating your financial reality, what would you choose? And what is your point of view? Because we buy, we buy the thoughts, feelings, and emotions from so many other people and go, oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. That looks good. And it's like, no. Like there was a guy once at my house who was doing these renovations and he was telling me about how he was building this garage for someone who had, it was like a Ferris wheel and it had eight spots. So you could drive the car in and you could literally, he had eight cars, this guy in Brisbane. So you could go, I'll have car number four, you know, and spin it around. And his point of view, he was like, some people just have too much money. And I was listening to him going, that sounds awesome. (laughs) So his point of view would be that he could never have it, that that was just a ridiculous display of wealth. Whereas mine was, that sounds awesome. What would it take to have that? I don't have to have it. It's not a necessity, but that sure sounds like fun. So where are you not looking at money as something that's fun that could add to your life and you're creating these rules and regulations that aren't even yours? Simone, what I'm picking up from you, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it sounds like with this label of joy of everything that you have within your reality, it makes you really step out of being a victim for any situation that you're in. You mentioned about how if you are in, there's a joy that you get that is greater than getting out of debt that you continuously choose. And so you're not a victim of it. You've basically chosen that as your greatest joy, but then you realize that you're holding yourself back from something that could be greater. You just need to shift what's more important. Same with the relationship example you just gave is that if you're still single, there's probably a joy assumption that you have that is greater than doing what is necessary to get into a relationship. And it seems like in business, like this whole concept of joy 
really takes you out of realizing, oh, poor me, you know, these things aren't coming to me. Instead, you realize, wow, the reason it is like this right now is because I thought this was the joy decisions that I needed to make, and I need to look at it differently to see what is a true joy. And then you do that when you step into greater questions that you propose, such as assuming that you didn't have these burdens in your life and that you are starting to make the choices that are bringing you closer to the objectives you have because they're always a function of joy. Did I say that correctly? Does that make sense? Uh, nailed it. Yes, okay. absolutely, Jason. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like, what if the purpose of life was to have fun? Mm. And I know that sounds like people would think that's a cop-out, but truly, what if the purpose of life was to have fun? If we make everything so serious and so significant, and if you put the joy, like just even insert joy into anything where you're not having fun and see if something changes. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, why is it that we resist it so much? Like, it seems like you, you mentioned it now and it's like, yeah, I go to the gym, I'm working hard. And it like some people look at it and they're like, oh, I don't like lifting weights, but I found the joy in it because I know the results it brings. And then that's the joy that I keep doing. And so why is it that we resist labeling joy on all the activities, knowing that it could be so simple? It's funny that you mentioned the gym too, because it's like so many people, you know, look at this place of what they've got to do to get these results and the right thing. It's like, I just actually started with F45, which I'm having a ball with. It's like, it's really cool. But, you know, I've done so many things. I've done martial arts, I've done boxing, I've done Pilates. And it's like, I'll do something and I'll do it while it's joyful. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, next. Like, what else can I do? So what if it wasn't about finding what is the right thing for you based on other people's points of view? What if you literally ask what brings you joy today? Like I'll go on months where I'll just run a lot and then I won't run for three months. My body's just like, oh, I don't want to run. I'm like, okay. But it's like, what if there was no rules and regulations and no set out agenda of what it is that you have to do each day you ask okay so if i'm choosing happy and i'm choosing joy today what's going to work for me what would i like to choose and it's not about choosing against anyone or anything it's choosing what works for you which for me includes you know includes everything in the world and judges nothing is the way i look at it i thought it'd be a beautiful way or a very interesting way to close this by asking you know a lot of us especially i know in like victoria for the Australian people, we might be facing different levels of quarantine, coronavirus is happening. It's shifting a lot of things in the world. I was going to ask you, where do you advise people to find the joy in a lot of things that seems to be taking away our freedoms today? A lot of changes, a lot of things that, you know, might not be as comfortable. What have you been able to see and what do you typically advise for people that might be finding it difficult to find the joy in these times? I'm going to say stop judging yourself and stop judging anyone or anything Judgment is one of the biggest killers of anything and mostly joy that can show up. And I mean, if you look at most people, they wake up in the morning, they have at least a litany of judgment about their body, or they'll have this judgment about the money that they don't have in their bank account or, you know, what they haven't created. It's like, what if you actually woke up in the morning and started having gratitude for yourself, gratitude for the money in your bank account, even if it's like $10, gratitude for your body, gratitude for what you have created and stop judging because judgment will kill all possibilities. And it's not the easiest thing in the world, Jason, for people to give up judgment. Is that what I want to say? It's like, it's like a muscle. It's like going to the gym. You've got to work it. And each and every day, catch yourself when you are going into judgment and go, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Not today. I'm going to come out of judgment of me and anything else and choose something different. Well, it's, it's almost like everything we judge externally also comes from the same exercise that we've been practicing on judging ourselves internally, right? Yeah. And what if there was a different reality? I mean, look at nature. 
it's like, you know, we get so many loud Australian birds here in the morning waking us up. And the birds aren't, you know, waking up, judging themselves or, you know, trying to be the best at singing. They just wake up and they just create their day and they just, they know what's next. They choose. And, you know, I'm continuously looking at nature as some sort of reference to what we could create ourselves as. I mean, we, gosh, there's a lot of crazy people in the world, Jason, and... You know, I might be delusional, and what would it take for that to change? Love it. Well, I think if a lot of people step more into a space of joy, it's definitely better than coming from a place of fear, coming from a place of judgment, coming from a place of scarcity. All of that just seems like something that makes you make better decisions no matter what area that is, whether it's working in your job, you know, getting out of debt, building a business, getting into a relationship, or not getting into it. If you come from an energy of joy, it just seems like it's so much more of an abundance energy than any of the previous states that I spoke about. And I think if a lot of people start operating every single day from that place, it can do no harm. It can only make us better. Yes, I totally agree, Jason. Yes. Thank you so much for coming to share these ideas with us. For everybody listening, remember, if you can realize that when you make a decision of coming from a place of joy, raising your own vibration to that whether you're in your business and realize that every activity can be made from a place of joy, even those tasks that you don't enjoy, you realize that when you enjoy the business and everything you're doing there, you can find the right people that have the joy of what you don't necessarily enjoy, they will enjoy doing. And so you start building a team. You start asking for help because you're already coming from a place of joy. And guess what? You're going to start attracting more people that resonate with you as well. When it comes to getting out of debt, realize that the reason that you're in debt is because you make decisions that bring you joy that brought you to the level of finances that you are now. But if you use powerful questions like Simona suggested, which is imagine you have all the abundance that you're looking for, such as what's that arbitrary number? Is it a hundred thousand? Is it a million dollars in the bank? Imagine that it was already there. And what would be the decisions that you would make knowing that you could create from that space and realize that there are actions you can take daily that will make you create more abundance, put you in a better state and slowly get you out of debt in the process. And you can see this can be applied to every single situation in relationships. Are you choosing the joy of single? Are you choosing the joy of being in relationships? And how does it change if you're not coming from a place of, oh, I'm judging myself. I can't believe I'm still single. I can't believe I'm not getting a relationship. It really doesn't make you show up in your best self. And again, with quarantine, as we close it off, there's silver lining in what's happening in the world today. And you can find the little joys that are in life that we realize that we could always enjoy, that we're always there. And it doesn't matter if we're stuck at home or we get to fly around the world. There's a lot of work that we have to do when we want to look at the judge within ourselves and realize that if we are in a state of joy, a lot of better things happen around the world. Simone, thanks again for coming to share these amazing insights. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for having me, Jason. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.